So welcome to the show. I'm David Speed. I'm Adam Brazier. And this is Creative Rebels. Uh, it's a podcast for creative entrepreneurs. We started our first company, Graffiti Life, in a small garage. Yeah, it wasn't easy. But we built the company up to the stage where now we're regularly working with brands like Disney and Nike. And we've been lucky enough to make art all over the world. On this podcast, we interview successful creators. Their advice will enable you to take action and turn your passion into a career. There's literally been no better time in history to make a career from being creative. So many people are going to tell you that you can't do it, but we're here to tell you that you definitely can. Right, let's do a podcast. Welcome back, Rebels. Every week you steal that. I want to say Rebels. All right, you do then. Welcome back, Rebels. Welcome back. Yeah, last week we did that talk at the Future Strategy Club, which... I think went down amazingly. I think it was a favourite talk I've ever done just because we had the floor and to completely answer people's questions. And it was the Q&A part of it, I think lasted over an hour. And I feel like we were just giving everyone like quality advice and helping everyone with their individual problems as well. It was just so good. Someone who was at the event who said the energy in the room was incredible. Yeah. And that's a really good way of describing it. It was, it was a really good energy. So. Yeah, it was, re- oh, it was great. A couple of guys came up to me. So they were saying to me that they studied in, Portsmouth University and they're now working in London and people who studied at UAL like University Arts London who who are working in London have much better connections in the city because they studied here they asked me if they should go back and do a master's at uni to get those connections that's interesting and I'm very pro uni but I was like, do not do that. You yeah, do I'm very not, anti-uni. You do not need to pay, because yeah. I, I don't know how much a master's cost these days, but you, like, you don't need to pay thousands and thousands of pounds to meet people. You just need to ask people. And I think one really good strategy that you can do to meet people, it's kind of like what we do with the podcast and what people that we connect with who've re- reached out to us. Start a blog. Start a blog on something you're interested in that revolves around interviewing people. Like people love to talk about themselves. And if you want to get in front of people and make those connections, just start a blog or start a podcast or start some kind of interview platform where you can get in front of and get to meet the people that you want to network with. It's the easiest, the oldest trick in the book is learn from the best. Yeah. And so, yeah, if you can get yourself in front of them, like when do you have an opportunity to sit down with someone who's much better at something than you are? It's like quite rare, because, I guess, because of the power dynamic. Yeah. But if you approach them as an interviewer, you're almost on equal footing. Yeah. Because you're, you're in the power because it's your show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exa- yeah, because one of the really interesting questions that we got at Future Strategy Club was, what have you learned so far from the podcast? Like, what what's your main takeaway from the guests? And... Then when we started answering that, we're like, oh shit, we've actually, you don't realize it at the time, but mm. like we've, as a sponge, we've just like soaked in all of this good stuff from all of these guests. And we were like, oh yeah, we got, well, we got this from Carly Ayres and we got this from Debbie Millman and, and just all of these people that we've yeah. interviewed, this from Emma Gannon and just all of that stuff. It go like, it goes in, even if you're the interviewer and you're not, cause, cause I guess interviewing is quite hard because you're, you're balancing a lot of things at, at yeah. the same time, but so speaking of uh, podcast tactics and all that sort of stuff, um, we have an event coming up on the 11th um, at 
a place called Republic where we're going to be, which is in London, sorry, again, another London event, but we are going to be doing more events across the country and hopefully in other countries over the next year. We've got an event coming up in London on the 11th of June and um, we're going to be talking all sorts of podcasts, like literally just delving into the podcast, Mm -hmm. how we got it to number one, how we're growing it, how we get our guests and all of that kind of tactical stuff because we're getting asked about it a lot. Yeah, I think if anyone's interested in starting a podcast, that's definitely something worth coming along to because like we obviously hit number one and I feel like we've got a lot of really good advice. I mean, my number one tactic I'll give away now before the event because it's the it's the main thing that I say to everyone who's trying to start a, a podcast and that's stealing from Simon Sinek but start with why yep. it's the most important thing like why do you want a podcast um, if you just want one because you think it's cool and that you think you're going to get a million pounds in sponsorship I'd urge you to uh, that's probably not going to work yeah it won't <laughs> We'll be posting up how you can get tickets for that event if you are in London on our Instagram. At Rebels Create. Yeah, we'll be posting it up in our stories and stuff like that with a swipe up link so you guys can get tickets to come and see us do that. How much does that cost? Well, Adam, it's funny you should ask. Tickets are actually free. Oh, great. I'll be there. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you fucking will be. Speaking of Instagram, we are about to embark on an interview with someone who has... Three million Instagram followers. That's that's a lot of that's followers. That's a lot of followers, isn't it? I was talking to someone recently who was getting really annoyed and ticked off at, at Instagram and couldn't understand why we, everyone is so obsessed with Instagram. Yeah. And I said to him, I think that the reason that they are is because people see it almost as a like a, an escape route. All of a sudden, we have the power. Any single one of us who has a mobile phone yeah. and an internet connection has the power to completely changed their life which mm-hmm. is something brand new that has never existed before that all of a sudden like my, my dad couldn't do that yeah it's impossible whereas now any single person you can be a mum you can be in your 60s you can be whoever and you can post on instagram and it can change your life so i think that's why there is this obsession around it but then there's a lot of secrecy and it seems really cloudy around yeah. like well how do i actually become successful on this platform yeah and you're a bit of a expert on I've done a done quite a bit of Instagram growing over over the years I think my first tip would be and a lot of people will say the same thing pick a niche be really consistent with it like there's some food accounts I've been looking at recently and there's one like burger account specifically that just posts pictures like they only make three or four different burgers they all look pretty much the same every single one looks pretty much the same as the last one but people know exactly what they're going to get from it. And every time one's posted, the engagement's through the roof because there's just that consistency. Like if you're a photographer and you're doing, today you're going to shoot pet portraits, tomorrow you're going to do a picture of your kid, tomorrow you're going to go and shoot a landscape. Like there's no consistency there unless your style is so specific. It's just not going to work. You're going to grow really slowly. Whereas if you just do pictures of landscapes and just keep doing and keep doing and keep doing them, people follow you for that. And if you want to do separate things, split them across different accounts, but stick to your niche. So be consistent, post images that are relevant to your niche and and, and be predictable in a way, mm-hmm. but still be engaging, I guess, with, yeah. the, with the content that's working. Regarding engaging, that goes on to my second point. Like so many people are concerned about growing their audience in terms of just getting their numbers up or getting new followers. But what I found recently works really well. Just start engaging with your current audience because the way the algorithm works is you post an image and it gets shown to a really small percentage of your, your audience that is basically like a test sample so because instagram's just a robot it doesn't know what 
what actually that image is what actually it does it can it can predict it really well and you can actually look into the source data and it knows exactly what's in that photo okay we're nerding out too much yeah now. sorry um so we'll go out to a small percentage and say this small percentage if 80 percent of people that get shown to like it that's going to determine the rest of that picture's life on instagram so if it if it doesn't do well within those first 15 to 20 minutes it's just going to bomb and its potential reach for it is so tiny compared to what it could be which is really i mean people complain about the algorithm but that's just instagram trying to make your life easier they're sampling it to a small small sample size people who have interacted with your stuff in the past who are probably a fan of yours and the more of them that like it the more people it will show it to yeah and then and i I guess that's why everyone's doing that spam that spam square that says oh the algorithm's screwing up and you're not seeing my posts make sure you like this yeah because by liking someone's picture you're more likely to be shown it next time so again with the consistency from part one if you post portraits consistently and all of a sudden you drop a landscape in there and your followers are like oh well i'm not following for this so i'm not going to like it that means that they're less likely to see your next image that goes up even if that is something that's a portrait for example that they would actually like so by having that consistency it slowly builds your engagement so that's what- interesting because i i do always advocate to people that published is better than perfect but that being said if you just are willy-nilly with your instagram feed and you just throw out any old image Uh, that's maybe not the best tactic no i always say to people post as often as you can post good content don't feel like you have to post something every day or two times a day if you can't make it absolutely amazing you want a constant supply of really good quality stuff and then my third point would be hashtags everyone talks about oh hashtags are great for growing and yes and yes and no if you know how to do it right so depending on the size of your account if you're say you've got a food account and you've got two thousand followers and you're getting an average of 50 to 100 likes per photo and then you use hashtag food on that so that hashtag is so big that it has two parts to it there's the top part and then there's the recent part so the recent part is basically a chronological feed of everything posted in that order which if you post on something that's like hashtag food that's going to have millions of posts so within a minute you're going to be washed down the stream of the feed so you want to try and get into the top posts if you look at the top posts and look at the top 12 images, you can see how many likes all of those images have. If your post is only getting 50 likes and the lowest post in those top 12 of the top posts is 500, you're never going to rank in that. So don't use that hashtag. There's no point. You're just wasting your time. So try and find more niche hashtags, less, less popular ones. Yeah. So if you're a smaller account, find, yeah, less popular hashtags that have less images on them. And it's worth just going and just check, check, check the top 12 on the top section, see if you can rank for it. If you repost the same hashtags over and over, like for every single image, does that hurt you? Yes. So I like to use something called dynamic hashtagging, which is a phrase to describe using different ones every time. Instagram doesn't want you to spam. And if you use the same ones every single time, it will know it's spam. What I would say, if you haven't got time to go and research loads of different ones, is maybe use the same 10 every time that are around what your picture is going to be on, but then use some that are a bit more specific to that individual image that you manually type in every time if you're copying and pasting them. Or just put some time aside, because although hashtags is very boring, 
uh, 45 minutes research and, and work into this to implement that, I think yeah. that's going to benefit you so much. What I do is I, I batch all my hashtag research. So I'll do it all in one go and then I'll set out the next 10 posts worth of hashtags just in a big list that I can copy that from. Well, thank you, Adam, for your top three Instagram tips. Hopefully, uh, hopefully you guys found that useful. Um, if there's anything in there that you do start to implement, then uh, then let us know because um, we love hearing from you. Instagram is a fantastic platform that could potentially change your life, so it's worth putting a bit of time into it. Someone whose life has certainly been changed by Instagram is this week's guest. Brandon Walfall is a photographer. Brandon was terrified of getting a nine to five, knowing that it wasn't for him. So after he graduated, he started working on a few little jobs here and there, building his profile, taking photos on small commercial projects. But all the while he was posting work to Instagram and his following started to grow really, really quickly. Something about Brandon's work just resonates with people. The way he plays with light and colour invites viewers into an alternate universe that he's created where they can then invent their own stories about the characters that he presents. This magic formula has earned him a massive audience of over 3 million people and we're super proud that this was the first podcast episode that he's ever done. I think people will get so much from hearing his story. Yeah, definitely. Like I've followed Brandon for ages and it was so good. This episode we talk about photography making friends and not getting a nine-to-five. Graduating from college, everyone's like, okay, I need to jump into this full-time career, but mm. something like a nine-to-five job like literally scared me. I was like, I can't do that. Like, no. Hi, Brandon. Hello. Thanks How for doing our podcast. Of course. We're, we're really excited to do this. What do you do when you're not taking photographs? When I'm not taking photos, I'm editing. For me, I know editing is like 90% of what I do. Yeah. When I'm shooting, it's actually like, it's the quickest thing ever. You would be like, what? He just took a photo in three seconds. What's going on? When I shoot, it's like not even two hours, an hour. And then I just go home and edit for like three times, 10 times the amount of that. So yeah. Literally when I'm home, I'm editing. There's like, basically that's like my favorite thing to do. So um, it's good that you really enjoy that. Yeah. Cause that's so, it's obviously so much part of the process. Totally. Yeah. I was talking to my friend about different ways we work and we were saying how like when we have deadlines, we just like go hard and like edit something or work on something and it takes us like an hour. And then there's the other side where we like have our, we take our time and like keep checking our phone, like mm. watch TV and it takes us like. 10 hour. And that's like kind of me, like I kind of will go the entire day and just be editing, but it's like a slow kind of like steady grind. Yeah. So that's like kind of my, my vibe. So you can like put Netflix on and. <laughs> oh yeah. I've, people are like, how, <laughs> how have you seen every single Netflix? I'm like, because I watch it while I edit. So YouTube, Netflix podcasts, I'm just like, I'm all caught up and people are like, what, what do you do? I'm like, I yeah. do my work, but I thought you, know. so you were taking photos. Yeah. yeah. That's why, I, that's why I think I don't like writing because I'm just like, you can focus on an edit while you also can listen and watch. Mm -hmm. So it's like nice. It's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas writing your, that takes all of the attention. You can't, I'll be I watching know, right? TV. Especially yeah. with video too. When I edit video, it's a little more like, okay, I need to focus on what I'm yeah. doing. But with, that's why I think I like photos. I'm just like, I can, you know, 
multitask. I think like for me, when I started shooting photos, like you can kind of pick it up, put it down. You can kind of do things quite quickly if you need to. And it's, it's a really nice workflow. Whereas like when I did drawing beforehand, mm -hmm. that would take like eight to 10 hours to do one small piece. Whereas right. I could do a few edits in that time. And it's nice to be able to have that same kind of result. Mm -hmm. but in yeah, a shorter that's time what frame. I actually kind of grew up doing. I, I didn't start photography until I got into college. And before that I was doing everything else. Basically I was, I was in like a sculpture class. I was yeah. painting, I was drawing. And with photography, I was like, that's like, I really thought I was like, that's so easy. You just kind of click a button. So I never really did it. And now I do only that. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's, it's not just down to just pressing a button. No, totally not. My, I, I would like kick my younger self and beg like, you're dumb. <laughs> Definitely not. So what what else goes into it other than so you take the initial shot? I, I guess you have to have a good. So I'm sat here with two like amazing photographers, so I'm totally out of my depth. But do you, I, I guess you have to have like a, a good eye or a creative way of framing the shoot to begin with, and then does everything else come in post? Yeah, for me, I kind of I go one of two ways. So when I'm home out on Long Island, that's where more of like my conceptual shoots come in and I'm shooting with more of her friends and I have an idea mm -hmm. or like a certain prop we're shooting with that's like new and exciting. And when I'm shooting in the city, it's kind of more down to the location and mm -hmm. using what like location I can, you know, use it, use it to my advantage. So, um, it's definitely, it definitely a mix of a lot of different things. On location, what's your process of going around? Cause I know like for me, I like to just never not have too much of a plan like have an area but just wander totally. and just try and find little gems within the streets yeah for me that's why i like shooting in new york so much a lot of people ask if i go to la and like all these places i'm like i just shoot around new york and i like know it like the back of my hand mm. so every time someone visits me i know exactly where we can go and find those little gems yeah especially with a lot of upcoming you know art exhibits and everything in the art world is kind of thriving mm -hmm. i feel like um, New York is the place to be for that. So I'll, you know, I'll use Instagram to like my advantage and find, um, I'll go to like the location tags and see where people are and kind of just kind of, it takes a lot of little research to find those. But once you do, it's kind of like, you can keep going back with new people and like new outfits. It looks like a whole different setup. So it's a lot of like using little like nooks and crannies to your mm advantage for sure. I've not used location tags before. So there's a part of the app where you can go on and just search an area and it will tell you points of interest. Well, you know how at the top of a photo that tells you where that was posted from. Yeah. You can click that and then go into that like a hashtag. Mm. Oh, cool. Yeah. So there's actually accounts like on Instagram that I follow and keep up with that kind of tell their followers their current art expositions and their hours and how much it is to get in and mm -hmm. every little wall of it. So I'll actually also look at that and see where they are and if there's anything else around that area. It's just like a lot of little research that you wouldn't think of. Mm -hmm. But even just like it being springtime currently, there's Central Park, you know, there's Brooklyn Botanical Gardens, there's yeah. things out on Long Island. Everything's blooming, so it's yeah. really nice. I London, London's the same that. at the moment as yeah, well. It's, so like, beautiful. it's just pink everywhere. Yeah. yeah, we said when we stepped off the plane how just familiar everything felt it just felt like we were in London yeah very very similar at the moment like I think I saw in your story yesterday I was like loads of blossom or something yeah I yeah this past weekend I went and visited my friend in Boston and I feel like you know it just depends on like if it's a little warmer like the rain that fell just things are blooming in different mm. speeds and out there it was like going crazy with the blossom so I was like let's go let's take photos yeah <laughs> so you shoot with your friends quite often is that something that's important to you 
I think, yeah, totally. I think I've kind of used photography to like, and, and intertwined it into my social regular life that doesn't feel like a job. And that's, that's something I, I try and do. I have obviously shoots where it's more planned. It's with someone I've, I've never met or like maybe a mini team we're on a location. But for me, my favorite photos are, are with my friends when it's like a spontaneous uh, little area or prop we're using. And I feel like I could be like the most comfortable with them. And we just kind mm-hmm. of get the shot and go. Like we, it's not like an entire like three Duck hours of shoot. It's like, yeah. let's take, I have this photo in mind and let's go for it. So you have it in mind before you set off? Sometimes it's more of like a, like I said, like a prop that I've bought or recently found. What kind of things do you use when it comes to props? Um, I like, obviously for me, it's like lighting is my favorite thing. So I just recently got this like little LED, like neon light that basically acts as it's like a giant neon light, but it's like the size of my hand. So you can, it's basically like you're bringing a giant, you know, neon sign, out of the frame that you don't, so you can, you know, I shoot in like my room and it looks like a magical little wonderland, but <laughs> just my room. I just, people are like, you, do you actually sleep there? Like, come on. And I'm like, yes, I do. I just turn the lights off. Like, you know, like your electric bill though. <laughs> <laughs> and I like the way you're really kind of resourceful and inventive. So I heard that you like, you'll use a, a CD and, mm. and your phone yeah. torch and just like reflect, reflect light from, yeah. from there. Like you don't, would you say that, I mean, anyone can create interesting photographs without having a full studio set up and just like playing around with some different stuff? Yeah, I think that's why a lot of people kind of like resonate with how I shoot and more of recent of me showing how I go about it. I love, you know, the story feature and how I can kind of, you know, you see my feed, it's just like a little like curated little wonderland yeah. but you go to my story and you see maybe what really happens or what really goes down or what little cd i used and i think people really like that and how they they can do the same you know mm-hmm. everyone has a little cd lying around or a mirror or, you know it just it's just endless with photos i think people love process and totally. i'm always trying to encourage uh, like creatives to document their processes because I think people find it so interesting and you can learn so much from watching someone else how they go about doing something and you can take little bits from yeah from other people yeah it's been a whole different ball game now when I shoot though I'm like I have to remember to document as I'm doing this so people can see how it went down and so when I'm so into the shot sometimes I forget to do that I mean it's not always a necessity but I like to do it and when I don't I'm like Oh no, no one can see how this happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah remembering it is so hard. Yeah, so I, I know because you're so, just so stuck in it. I think especially if it's you on your own as well, if you haven't got someone else there to take the video right. or something. So I always find like if I'm doing a shoot and someone's brought a friend with them to like have a little behind the scenes thing, because it's so useful because mm-hmm. I'm like, oh great, I've got these cool little bits of content. Seconds, exactly. Yeah. But you just completely forget when you're just in the moment. Like, right, fully I know. That's it. why I love, you know, photography so much. I get so distracted and into what I'm doing that mm-hmm. I don't think about anything else. Yeah, and that's yeah, my yeah. favorite thing. It's escapism, sure. I suppose. Yeah. So Instagram's obviously been huge for you. Would you say that, because I guess you make your photos for the platform. Yes. Which is, that's an, that's an interesting, because yes. that's a new phenomenon, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's weird because a lot of my work, my paid work, you know, isn't on Instagram. So I've kind of used Instagram to be a portfolio for my work and my clients, but it's also become, you know, what I like to do for fun. Like a lot of my photo shoots, no one, no one was paid. We were just doing it for testing and Mm -hmm. for the sake of, you know, sharing our work and putting it out there. 
but it's become like, you know, a source of income and clientele for my whole career. It's just weird how a little platform that I still use for fun has yeah. become my, my job. <laughs> yeah, there's that whole, there's a balance of it getting sucked into it becoming, because it is work, but it is also social media and like finding, because I, I, I really love you using your work as an excuse to hang out with your friends. Yeah. That's so, such a, yeah, that's nice. so useful. And I guess that, that can tie up with social media as well. Um, but it's like, I never see my friends because I'm always working. Right. And so that's such a, that's such a nice way of, yeah. of doing things. Yeah. And I've actually met like a ton of my friends just through Instagram and meeting up to shoot because, you know, you wouldn't really just like meet up to be like, hi, like, how are you? But we have like a purpose to like, you know, explore and hang out and you make a lot of friendships and relationships through that. And also just my friends like being kind of also creative. They love to, you know, do their own thing while we go. We might explore like a greenhouse and they can, you know, get some little just iPhone pics mm -hmm. or my friends have been getting like sent clothes and stuff. So it's like, it's a whole system <laughs> what i like about it is there's not many opportunities in life to spend two hours solidly with someone right like exactly. it just doesn't happen like it like especially if it's not for like work or a meeting or something you rarely get a chance to just sit or walk around and have a good chat about something mm -hmm. and i think that's one of my favorite aspects of photography yeah you can meet new people and then have really good conversations and you do make really good friendships out of that because you do have really good long chats. You get to know people properly and then at the end of the shoot, you can kind of decide, do I like this person or not? Do I want to shoot with them again? Like, exactly, yeah. I mean, and, and if, you don't, if you don't truly like bond over, it's like a first date, low key. Mm. Like you just kind of see if you, you know, because you, you know, the people that you enjoy or I feel like for me at least is the people I like create with the best who are like down for anything kind mm -hmm. of or like have their own you know it's not me always directing everything like someone may have a cool idea or maybe it's their whole idea that I just visualize for them. Do you get frustrated because I think like for me and Adam looking at your content because um, like Adam's been following you for a long time you'll come up with something new and innovative and then it becomes a trend, it becomes a look. Does yeah. that ever get frustrating? Um, I wouldn't say frustrating. I think it's more of like cool if it's in the right way. Sometimes I've seen like people's entire feeds where every single image is just an exact recreation. Mm -hmm. So I, if it's that, it's a little like I want to just, I, I don't get like frustrated. I'm, I just want to let them know like it's a great starting point. I think a lot of people kind of use my style of photography to be a starting point for them, especially a lot of beginner photographers, which I think is great because we all need to start somewhere and mm -hmm. we find inspiration in different ways. But I definitely think there's room to grow from someone else's style. And I think it is a good starting point though. I feel like people can kind of gradually get into what they really want to shoot. How do you find your style? For me, it's just, well, I come from a computer art background. That's mm -hmm. what I studied in school. When I say that for other people I'm like in like, yeah, I just did computer art and whatever. And they are always like, oh, it makes sense. Like it totally, I can see how it relates back to your photos. And I'm like, mm. oh, I guess, I guess it does. So for me, it was kind of like the background of loving computers, but also art and the digital technical side of things because I studied a bunch of programs. So for me, it was a little mix of that. But I think for anyone trying to create, it's just like your, like your journey. Like you, you may take a class in painting and that evolves your work in a different way. Mm. So I think it's all about getting out there and experimenting because 
you never know like what will actually come out of different parts of your journey, you know? And, and I mean, sometimes just by making mistakes that can... Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's a ton of photos. There's thousands and thousands of photos you've never just seen from me because yeah. I don't like them or they just didn't turn out. But without those, you wouldn't have your, like, you know, your successful photos that do well or get you a job. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's better to go out there and not totally love what you made, but you had that in the back of your mind of not knowing what to, or knowing what to do next time when you're going out there. I think that's kind of like nice to hear as well for like, for the listeners to know that Mm -hmm. looking at your feed that it's not like you go out, just take a picture. No, totally. Boom, perfect. Yeah. I know, especially with like the Instagram model situation, like face tuning, it's like super curated, but I think it also shows in the art world. It's like you pick and choose what you want to show. And it's nice to know that there's, tons of failed photos and projects that haven't made it to the surface. But just knowing that maybe your favorite creator also has those little fail projects that don't work out is, is nice to hear. How many I terabytes hope. of hard drives have you got? Oh, my, I, <laughs> I'm not the most organized person. So they're kind of just like all sitting there, which I know is like not safe, but I have lots, lots and lots. <laughs> yeah. Cause I also don't like go through and delete my past photos I kind of just like have them sitting there and it comes in handy because I mean this might be a little stretch but my my iPhone literally has 86,000 photos on it whoa (laughs) and people are like wait I didn't know like that can and I'm like yeah I pay monthly yeah (laughs) (laughs) but it's great because I do a lot of you know if you want to post something and you're not home and Mm -hmm. you just I have everything on my it's like a little its own little computer on my phone. I just have old photos and old photos. So I've still got every photo I've ever taken on loads of hard drives. And I love just going back to the old shoots and then editing them now mm-hmm. because obviously yes. your edit now is so much better than what it would have been like a few well, that's years interesting. ago. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah, I love doing that also and kind of creating a photos concept like mm-hmm. again. Um, oh, I saw you did a YouTube yeah. video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, I did do YouTube. I like forgot I did that. So explain to the listeners yeah. who haven't seen that video, <laughs> yeah, boys, so, come on. <laughs> so I basically took my photos when I started photography, which was about like 2013, 2014. And I just recreated that concept and photo, but I made it kind of what I would, I would do now. Um, and I compared the two. So, um, I mean, it was a lot of fun. It was all, it was also weird just putting, so there was a photo of me touching a candle and it was like me like five years later doing the same thing. So it was just like so trippy to put them side yeah. by side or even just recreating a photo that I took of a friend and doing that again with that same friend and just you like- think you're even trying to find the same black top, weren't you? Yes, yeah. and I think we, we kind of did. We, all, we were pretty close, but it was like weird just being in the same exact location, same person, same concept, but- years later and what mm. went on within those years to help you, you know, advance in your craft. And, and advance, advance in your craft, that, like that's, that's the key. And I think so many creatives get, cause we're also critical of our work and our, and yeah. what we put out and just going back and looking at your past work just can give you such a overview of how far you actually have come because it doesn't feel in the moment when you're producing something that you're not happy with, it doesn't mm. feel like you have come very far. But then when you look back and you can actually realize, okay, I'm, my skills are improving. I'm becoming a, a more totally. rounded artist. Yeah. It's crazy to think about some shoots I would do now and just be like, whatever, like it happened. And my 2000, like whatever self 13 self would be like over the moon hype. Like 
I did that, but I just do it every day now. It's like so weird. So you definitely have to sit back and think about where you, you know, came from and what you were doing. What'd you do to stop it getting boring? Um, I think it was a mix of, you know, shooting new people, meeting new people and going to new locations, but also trying out like different editing techniques. So now when I edit, it's very like particular. And I found, especially within, you know, Photoshop with where I edit, I've discovered new tools and new just like settings that have helped advance my photography. So for me, it's a lot in the edit that's helped me. Yeah, I find that too. I think because Photoshop's constantly adding new features and that like, too, yeah. and like people have been using Photoshop for high end retouching and doing amazing stuff for years and years and years. Mm. And it's like growing up, I never really looked into any of that, but then now I'm kind of like looking into all these new techniques I'd never heard of before and they're amazing. So yeah, it's like, I'll go through some photos I took like two years ago and because they were shot in like a high enough resolution and raw, I can still take them back and edit them now and put them up and they look, if you compare them side by side of how yeah. I would have edited it like two years ago or something. Right. So I different. know when I switched to raw, I was like life changed oh, because gosh. like Especially now, with what you do. Yeah. All my old photos that I've taken when I was younger weren't in raw because I did, totally just didn't know what that was, which is fine. But now that I do know it's, I can go back and re-edit those and mm. it's still like a good quality image. So raw is the, that's the, the big file, right? Yeah, so it's kind of like the file with the most amount of data. So a lot of people shoot in JPEG, which is kind of what most images are on a computer. And it doesn't have, it kind of compresses all of the information in it. Mm-hmm. But if you've got raw, it's like there's so much there. So you could have something that looks overexposed and bright. But if you take that down, you can actually get the sky back or something like that. It's kind of amazing. Yeah, that's why I shoot a lot of mine. People are always like, I share a lot of, you know, before and afters of my work and people are always concerned, but also like questioning why I shoot so like underexposed sometimes. Granted, I definitely think I was in the past shooting like way too underexposed. I was like, now I'm like, okay, like bring it, bring it up a notch. (laughs) um, I think it's, it's just the fact that, you know, with highlights, they're a little harder to bring back. With shadows, it's way easier. So I always, I always shoot underexposed and in raw. And you can bring all of that info back while still like, you know, reserving that, that sky or that highlight that you, mm. that you have off to the side or in the back. With your retouching, so I saw you use a tablet to retouch. Yeah. And you, from a, you did computer arts before. Did you used to kind of do like digital drawings? Yeah, that's like, yeah, exactly. So I did start out um, drawing that went into painting. Um, and then later on in high school is when I got into the digital mm-hmm. art of it. Um, so like my studio art, like concentration in high school was digital drawings of like my friends and family. Just having a tablet, having that control takes, takes my work like to the next level. Cause I, I truly cannot edit with a mouse. I don't know how, I, re- I wish I could. Cause like, some, you know, when you travel, yeah. you're, you know, you're on the go, you have your little trackpad or mouse. And I just really, I can't, don't feel the control. You know, it's like riding like a unicycle for me. Yeah. I'm like, what is this? Like, yeah, I can't do it with a mouse. Like that's so hard. But like I know. I've found with this trackpad because it's so big, I can kind of oh, use yeah. it like a mini tablet. Yeah. My and hands just get like, I'm like, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> you can't see what I'm doing with my hand over this, but it's, <laughs> it's clawed. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think one thing we've spoken about on this podcast quite a lot is the, the myth of the overnight success and looking at your career going from zero to nearly three million followers on Instagram in five years, it would certainly appear like an overnight success because yeah. you, you got a lot of traction really fast. In fact, I'm not even going to go any deeper than that. I'm going to let you answer. 
Were you an overnight success? Um, I wouldn't say, I mean, I'm still pretty young. I'm 24, but I think it's more consistency than anything. I don't think there was, you know, a one photo that was like, yep, there, that was it. That's why I'm here. It's more like stepping stones. So you might, you know, go back a few steps, you might advance many, but I definitely think it's like the climb that like really gets you. And it's, it's fun for, I think that's why I'm so consistent at it. It's because it's so fun for me, but I definitely, yeah, I definitely wasn't overnight. I wish it was. <laughs> Cause I mean, it can't be about metrics anymore because I mean, when you get to millions, then it, then it's not really about, it can't be about the numbers. So there has to be something deeper for you to, to keep going. Yeah, totally. I, I mean, I still am really consistent with Instagram. I post at least every other day. There was actually a point on, it was like maybe a year or two ago where I, I posted every day for a year and I didn't miss a day. And like Ooh. when I did miss a day, I was like, no, like, <laughs> what's going on? I'm failing at life. And I still kind of think that way sometimes. I Maybe that's why I'm still going is because I have this mindset like, like I have to keep going and like, you know. Made um, it. You've made a habit. Yeah it's, yeah, it's a little dangerous, but I think that's why it's... Why is that? Do you feel like you owe your audience? They're expecting to see your work every day. I mean, it's a little bit of that. There, I've seen some people where like they're waiting because I have a, a, a time I post kind of every night. It's around like midnight because that's when I'm getting ready to like go to bed. I edit pretty late at night. So mm-hmm. that's when I'm just like at it. But I've seen some people like waiting. They're like, he's going to post any minute. And I'm like, I, but I don't have something prepared. So I like, it's a little bit of that, but it's also kind of looking at like my old worker success I've had and being like, I can top that. Like, let's keep going. So do you feel like you have a relationship with your audience? Yeah, totally. I mean, I keep, I look at like, try and look at like every DM I get and, and all the comments. I mean, for the first, like, you know, few hours of every time I post, I, you know, engage with everyone. And I think that was a big part of myself, like growing on Instagram was mm-hmm. just, you know, being engaged and not just like throwing a photo up and being like, Hey, bye. Like, enjoy. Gotta go. <laughs> like, hope you like it. Leave a comment. It's more like, like, I hope you like this, like, or what can I do differently next time? Or what would you like to see from me? So definitely talking to my audience and, and getting a gauge of what they like. Mm-hmm. For sure. Do you find that has a big impact? Like if people are like, I've really like this, do you find you do more of that? Um, yeah, it's it's kind of hard because I also want to stick to what I like, but it's it's almost like it worked out to what people like. I like shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more of like the conceptual stuff of, you know, like think like a smoke bomb in motion or like crazy sparkler. Like those are for me the mo- most fun to edit. They take a little longer than just a normal test shoot with like a model per se, but yeah. they're way more fun. So I think it worked out because it's a little bit of both. So say money wasn't an object and I gave you a million dollars and, um, but I took away all of your Instagram followers. My friends say this all the time. They were like, would, they're like, what if I just deleted your Instagram, but you got like millions. And I'm like, no, like no. every time I'm like, nah, like even just with my friends, it's like two of my friends. I'm like, no, you like, no, it's always going to be like my little insert, my little portfolio there. Cause I feel like it's like more valuable. Like for me, I can kind of maybe get to that point where I'm like, you know, getting that much and like, it doesn't even matter cause I'm like still going. So I don't know. It's always, it's always going to be my little platform. <laughs> right. Okay. So now we're living in a alternate universe and I have deleted your Instagram account. What do that you do now? How do you, how, oh. how do you start from zero? What would, what would be your, would you have any tactics? Would you do anything differently? 
Um, so I actually have another account too, which is more like my personal account, which I started a little later. So that was, that's also something that I have. It's like, I've almost done that. But I probably wouldn't use white borders because <laughs> I'm in too deep at this point. People don't even realize that I don't, I, I use those, but yeah. um, I, that's, you just know I'm an OG because I started when you had to use those and I still can't get away from them. Um, that would be number one. Do you one. think you ever will? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, they changed, you know, you could po- post portrait landscape, um, but I think that's kind of why I made that second account. It's more like... A, not a, I was gonna say a trash can for my other stuff, but more like, <laughs> more like when I have a photo of me or a behind the scenes thing that I want, you know, up there, not for just 24 hours, like a story, I can put it there for people to see. So, but yeah, I think I would probably do the same thing. Just, I think I, I do like having those two accounts though, where I can, I have my, you know, my professional little feed going on, but I also have my fun kind of junk Instagram where I not, it's like you're, you're going to look at it and be like, okay, there's still like high def photos, what you're saying. Yeah. But like, it's more like, I don't really, I could just kind of throw things up on that one more. I mean, we, we had a discussion about this um, today and the importance of separating your accounts because I think there's, there's too many people that really just put everything out on one feed. Yeah. For me, it's like my, my normal feed is so curated to the point where like that's you get what you get like you see what you see and that's it mm-hmm. like a lot of brands actually gravitate towards that second account I have that's more like personalized it's like me I can kind of integrate brands with like in my own self so I always get like emails and they're like we want to work with you I'm like which account and so they go from there but that's really interesting so yeah. they're they're willing to take a dip in numbers mm-hmm. because they they just prefer the feel of, of that account. Yeah. And I think it's a little bit of me also like leaning towards that account for what they want just because they want like a shoe photo. You know, I'm not going to, it's going to be like a little hard to do that on my main account mm-hmm. without it being blatantly like buy this shoe. But like if it's on me, well, it's a little easier to throw that in. So it's it's nice to have that account as my little like experiment for brands a bit. And let's talk about um, working with brands. So that's obviously, uh, would you say that's your like sole form of income or it's just yeah. a, just an arm of it? I, th- I would say the arm is more like, you know, the AdSense from, you know, different other affiliate things, but the main part of it is definitely brands. And how do you start working with a brand? Do they reach out to you more often than not? Yeah, I think it w- it's nice to have that, you know, platform that's a little larger to have people reach out to you. Now there's like, you know, the email feature and it's mm-hmm. like, it's so easy for people to get in contact with you. So it's definitely brands reaching out to me, which I'm like super thankful for. Um, but I've definitely done my fair share of like having an idea of a brand that would work well with me or I would like to work with and I've reached out, but it's definitely more on the end of them reaching out. When you do reach out to brands, what's what's your typical, do you have sort of like a format that you would send to them? Would you send them work examples? Would you perhaps do something with their products beforehand or how would you go about it? Yeah. So, um, it's more like I've either like, you know, been, been a big fan of their, their brand for a while. And I've had this, you know, idea for a way to like integrate it easily. Cause I know I get a, a lot of people reaching out, but I just know it wouldn't work with like, I just, it, it's not going to work. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because back to what, you know, my feed is very just like, that's what it is. So it's hard to, it is a little hard working with brands that you, you just know it won't work, but more of recent, it's, it's been a lot of like photography type brands. 
Um, and it's been super nice and easy yeah. to work with, especially Nikon, which has been a big play this year because I just take photos on my camera and that's it. There you go. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. I suppose your audience, obviously they buy clothes and eat food, but a lot of them will be photographers. Yeah, and- I think because I'm so like niche on photography, like that's why people come to my account. It's You can't really throw in like a shirt. Yeah. <laughs> and how, how do you deal with brands that don't see your your vision I kind of kind of I lay it out there I'm just like you know do you want to move forward this is what it's going to be so I'm, I make sure that there's no like miscommunication because in the past I've just been like okay money yay and now I'm <laughs> like okay like this needs to work out um, because you know it's not just all about the money right now it's more mm-hmm. like keeping the brand and you know having brand it and all brand yeah. yeah you can have that if you want the brand and brand. <laughs> I should. New username. With your photos, are you storytelling or are you capturing a moment in time or both or something else? Like what's your yeah. kind of why around that? I think when I'm shooting, it comes down to seeing an image in my mind and just being like, let's create this. So more of like capturing that just like in the moment. But when it comes to post production and actually posting the photo, I kind of wanted to tell a story. So for that reason, I'll add little captions that I think are lyrics that go along with the photo that actually takes a while to look up too. (laughs) Um, Because, you know, I want it to relate back and sometimes I'll just see some kind of lyric or word and it will just resonate with that image. My goal is to kind of storytell, but I think in the moment it's more, it more comes down to like, let's just take this. And it's simple and nice. And then I'm later I'm like, how can this be told? Mm-hmm. Or how can this look to someone who's just seeing it for the first time? Because for you, it's like you've you know, you've you went out there, you, you know, you went on a train, you met this new person, you took hours out of your day to, you know, do all these things, but people will only, you know, just see the end result. Make sure you keep that in mind when you're going to, you know, press post. So I really like that. A lot so, of your shots are quite ambiguous as well, aren't they? So people can create their own stories. Yeah, I definitely, those are the ones that actually do the best. I notice when it's kind of like anonymous or there's something in front of their face, you can't really tell who they are. Those kind of do the best, I think, Mm -hmm. because they may tell a story to them. You're you're not seeing someone's face that's like, you know, I I feel like when there's a direct face in a photo, it's like they're focused really on that. Yeah. Um, But when there's kind of like movement involved or like a product being like thrown in the air, it's like, you know, they, they like that. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that a couple of years ago, like I used to take, well, I still take a lot of travel photos and I was like, generally get my girlfriend just like walk away from me. Like, and like everyone, all my friends kind of joke that she's pissed off at me all the time and she's yeah. just like walking off. But I'm like, walk down there and like face away. Cause I f- feel like if you're someone looking at that, if you can't see a face, you can visualize yourself in that position. Totally. Whereas yeah, if it's someone looking at you, then you're looking at that person, you're trying to connect with that person. Whereas if it's, more about the scene and the environment and what's going on. I think that's a lot yeah. more of a, an interesting way to kind of play it. Yeah, I think that's where I see more of those like recreation images come into play from other people's when I when it's more that like ambiguous vibe. Mm-hmm. You've always been creative. So, what, which school did you go to? Uh, for college, I went to School of Visual Arts, so it's right in Midtown. But you weren't studying photography. No, yeah. So I when I entered school, that's when I still was like photography's easy, whatever. So. Um, <laughs> But I was obviously into art and in the in the world of art, so it it was funny because I was almost going to study business, which was 
like my friends were like, what? And I was like, well, you know, like art's hard to make money and like mm-hmm. all these things. And so that's kind of why I also loved computer art, but having the word like computer attached to art, like everyone around me was like, oh yeah, like that makes sense. Like, you know, it's a whole different realm of fine art. For me, it was more of like a, also loving it, but a safety thing where like, it's going to be easy to get a job, like, you know, computer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I studied there for four years and got my bachelor's in computer. Art. So it was a fun little time. But what I was doing on the side, photography wise, it was totally different from what I was learning in school, but I was taking bits and pieces of what I was being taught and applying that to my photography. So I really only took one photo class while in school and it was about color, which was, and it was like an easy, like it was just like color. So <laughs> it, was, it wasn't really like influential in my career now, but mm-hmm. my schooling was for sure and the technical side of stuff. Is there anything you struggle with? Uh, I think it's having, being so like immersed into social media, it's hard to see you know, a lot of the days, like I said earlier, I, I'm not like out and about shooting and like doing all these fun things, but it may like look like it, Mm -hmm. which is probably what everyone else is doing too. Like posting all these things that they're not really, they didn't last month, um, which I'm guilty of because, you know, you have to keep the grind up. At times it's hard to see people in your same industry, but just doing more like working with brands you want to work with or like more of like the jealousy kind of vibe, which like sounds weird, but that's like, you know, social media is so touch of a button. You can see what everyone's doing in seconds, Mm -hmm. but I have to keep in mind that all those people there, there's 40 of them. There's one of me. So you have to, you know, compare, like you may watch, you may have just watched like 300 stories, but Mm -hmm. you're, you know, you're only one person. Yeah. I find that like, especially it gets a certain time of year when everyone seems to be on holiday and you're sat in the office and you go through like your stories and like, why is everyone away? And I'm yeah, still here. exactly. Would you then relate to the term, would you say you are an influencer? That's funny. I mean, I mean, to some, I guess I am because I do influence products and gear on my page, mm-hmm. but I'm also, you know, if someone actually at this like photo convention one time type of deal was like, questioning they were like what if you know social media like just went away and I was like well I'd still have like a talent and and a thing I could lay back on which is photography Um, it's just a different way I go about it definitely it's more of like the older crowd will ask like so you do weddings and I'm like no I don't (laughs) like I I've never done a wedding and they're like so what do you do I don't get it and I'm just like it's a long story but (laughs) watch this podcast no but I still have you know photography as a whole job on its own to lean back on. So I guess you could call me an influencer at the moment, but <laughs> I mean, photography is kind of the goal, you know? Do you think you would totally smash a wedding and do an amazing job? Or do you think you would really struggle? I think I would struggle and that's why I haven't done it. Or just the idea of it sounds like terrifying. Yeah. Um, and I'm someone who kind of works pretty independently and I know you'd have to have like, you know, there's some second shooters, some fourth shooters and that, alone seems just kind of weird to me. Not weird for, you know, just for me personally. Do you not think you'd ever work with a team? You think you'll always be? Yeah. I mean, for now I've done, I don't really have like a management or team. I I obviously have contacts I talk with regularly, but no, I'm not represented or anything. And I think that is just like my own personality. Like I'm very just like, let's do this on your own. Let's get it done. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what I did in school. Like we had a thesis project and 
they, you know, guided everyone to, you know, get, get work with your classmates and do, get a whole team. And I did the whole thing myself. I was like, I'm good. And like, you know, <laughs> it wasn't even like, granted it wasn't the best project cause I just did it myself, but I got an A cause the teacher was like, you did all, like, go you, you did, you, at the end of the day, you did do it all yourself. You, you know, you did every part of it. Um, so that's, I think that's just me, my personality though. Where, where'd you learn? Like, cause if you do everything on your own, right. you obviously don't learn from other people. I so. think, well, in school I was learning, you know, from teachers and I, I'm like obsessed with the YouTube. So I was definitely watching when I had a question about how I can edit this. I, I would watch a tutorial and, and learn from, you know, what I did wrong. So definitely like teachers are super influential in my kind of growth. But when it comes down to like my own work, I kind of just like stay in my lane. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any mentors or anyone that you would you would call if you had like a business question or something that's away from the craft? I don't have anyone that comes to mind exactly. So when it came to working with brands and and working out how to cost for that, how yeah. did you how did you work that out? Because I know there's right. a lot of creatives that kind of struggle with that. Yeah, that's still actually something I have trouble with because you have to take into account so many things. I know and my other friends that have management, they can kind of get a good gauge on like a team's budget just from, Mm. you can kind of tell from how big the brand is sometimes, but it's a lot of just like throwing what you think you're worth out to a brand and seeing if they're down. And I've had a lot of yeses and nos, obviously, but um, I've learned from those yeses and nos to kind of put a number that I think is worth like my time and energy, but also what I think they could give me. So you have to think about a lot of different things, but, um, that's one thing I do wish I didn't have to do because I, I'm not totally good on the like communication side of things. I like creating more. So mm-hmm. that's a whole nother side that I still do and people don't really see, but it takes a lot of time and energy and I don't love it. <laughs> I think every person listening to this right now can relate to that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's the hard part of having a creative business is yeah. the business, the creative bit's great, but it's yeah. the business. But then you also keep that 20% that someone else would take out of your work. So there's that. There's <laughs> definitely that. Yeah. But, then I, but then, yeah, I mean, cause a lot of guests that we've had have, have had management yeah. um, and we've obviously always done everything uh, ourselves, but it does seem that they're, they're a lot more stress-free because they are outsourcing that and they're happy to pay that 20%. So yeah. I guess yeah. it's just finding what's right for you. Yeah. I think for me, it's also like a thing of pressure. Like some days, you know, I don't, I don't feel like, you know, grinding all day. So I won't. And thinking that someone would have to tell me you have to do this today and or like be on call at this time. And like, it almost feels like I'd be under more stress. Yeah. Which is like having a boss, I suppose. Yeah. It's basically like, and that's why I do, I do freelance. I want to do it all on my own. So having that kind of leniency of like what I want to do and get done that day is something that's like comforting. So it is a lot of work to, you know, work those deals out and jump on those phone calls when it could be someone else. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, it's all you. How do you keep self-motivated and, and the, I guess the discipline that comes with yeah. being a boss? For me, it's almost like treating it like a job kind of more like getting up and being like, okay, make sure you making little to-do lists throughout the day. Even just like, not, I'm not like a actual to-do list person. Like I don't write things down, but mm-hmm. I keep it in my, the back of my head, like at all times. So making like little goals throughout the day is something that I found super useful. Um, just even right being like, okay, make sure you answer this one email today. It's super important. Also having time to leave your house. Cause that's something that's sometimes a little rough. Like you, I have to, you know, I work from home and so 
when I'm not shooting. So it's like, go out and get your little coffee and do, see your friends, <laughs> stay sane. So it's a, it's a mix of all those things, having that free time, but also getting your work done. So when you left school or college, did you obviously didn't go straight into making money from photography full time. What did you kind of do to support yourself growing, like to get to where you are now? Yeah. So as a senior, I was kind of dabbling in the world of like making money from photography. So I was doing like little jobs here and there to the point where at graduation came my teacher who was like my thesis teacher who kind of was guiding everyone along in their little job searches and was like portfolio night, like let's go. He like came up to me and he was like, you're not coming to portfolio night, are you? And I was like, no. And he's like, okay. He kind of knew he, like he just knew I wasn't going to go down the same route that my other um, classmates were in. So I kind of took that summer to make it my goal to kind of try it full time. Cause you know, graduating from college, everyone's like, okay, I need to jump into this full-time career, but mm. something like a nine to five job, like literally scared me. I was like, I can't do that. Like, no. <laughs> so I was like, let's try and work really hard and make it a goal not to have a nine to five. So um, it was a lot of like, traveling and a lot of traveling that year for sure. Um, and making little jobs here and there at the end of the year, you know, it added up cause I was never on break. I was always like, let's get it. <laughs> let's get the spread. Were you kind of giving yourself no option? Like photography has to, it has yeah, to Yeah, it kind of was. It was maybe a little bit dangerous cause I know a lot of people dive into this thing they really want to do full time and it doesn't work out. But you know, having Instagram at the time that was growing, um, was a way I was getting jobs and it was working out. So it really just, I guess the cards were in my favor at that point and it was mm. working out. What would you say to someone who's in that same position now, but doesn't have an Instagram account or right. has just started one? I mean, yeah, social media is not the, obviously the only way you can get jobs. There's in, you know, the photography world, it definitely helps because you reach all these thousands of people, um, that can see your work. But I would say try shooting or, you know, working local in your town. I know a ton of different photographers that just do, you know, senior portraits or small businesses and, you know, they shoot for them and they do well and they're just in their own little community and it's, it's fine. Um, so there's definitely, you know, or back to weddings. I love photography because there's just so many different routes you can go. You don't have to shoot for a giant brand to, you know, stay consistent with your, your, your income. You can, you know, shoot family portraits or... There's just so many, so many different things. I don't know if you, if you ever hear this, um, but I, I certainly hear it a lot and I, and I, it drives me a little bit crazy and that is right place, right time. And I think a lot of people are very quick to label others success by saying, oh, because you started in 2014 for you mm -hmm. oh, but whenever you started oh that was the perfect time to start yeah and that's sometimes what I say to people though it's like hard because like I mean for Instagram that's when at that point it wasn't like no one was doing it as a career mm. or I mean not just Instagram but using Instagram as using it as leverage to get jobs it wasn't a thing like it was definitely growing at the time which helped but you know putting in that work you know if I didn't put in the work and the effort to grow it myself, it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't be the right place or right time. It's, you know, what you do to get to that right spot. Yeah. I feel that's, that's, almost, I feel that's almost an excuse that people use to 
be like, oh, well, it's, it's fine for them because yeah. they started five years ago. Yeah, I don't need to put the effort in now because it's, too it's, late. Not, it's yeah. not the right time. Yeah, I know. I think it's, I've seen creatives now start just blowing up um, and doing cra- like crazy things. So it's definitely just getting out there and not thinking about, well, someone already has 3 million or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's more just like, well, maybe, you know, that could be me in a year. You know, it's, it's now it's, I think it's even a quicker time to start doing that because so many people are on the platform, yeah. which could be a bad thing because there's a lot of different names and it's just two ways of thinking about it. So if you think about it that one way where you can get to that point, having that mindset, I think is everything. Yeah, I think it's not too late as well. Like you look Never. at someone like Peter McKinnon who has yeah. kind of absolutely blown up over the past two yeah. years. And before that, no one knew who he was. And, right. But it's like, like you can still do really well if you exactly. just have unique content and it's good. Yeah. And he actually started as like, he was like doing magic yeah. like video, right? So yeah, he yeah. like had that background of like videography and stuff and then dove into this world of social media and like went crazy because he had that skill that he was like kind of doing on the side. Yeah. So I think it's a really nice representation of, you know, having a skill and applying it to the world of social media because mm. it, it can be powerful for sure. Yeah. Just start. Just, Just start. start. Yeah. Yeah. I think too many people are, are held back and, and uh, their Instagram feed is probably their worst enemy because they do see people with a lot of followers and it is intimidating and it does it takes just takes a lot of hard work I mean and if you do have the right idea or the right vision then it can just catch fire there is that that does happen I mean we interviewed um, Alex Norris the other day who does um, this really silly thing web comic Mm. Um, just just it's so silly it's three frames they're all really funny and really relatable and he's just grown a massive audience because people just share it because they relate to it and that, and if, if your idea, if you come up with the right idea that catches fire, then it can happen. But if not, then like, um, like our account, the Graffiti Life one, yeah. that's just years of plugging away of here's a new painting, here's a new painting, mm-hmm. here's a new painting. And it, it just gradual, gradual bit by bit. Right. Yeah. I mean, we've never had any magic viral No, it's just been a that, really slow build over it. Yeah. yeah I, mean, I think there's years, just many yeah. ways to go about it. There's the slow build. Um, that takes a lot of effort and time. Yeah. And then someone, you know, can get lucky and just have that like virality that you just blow up overnight. But at the same time, sometimes that can bite you in the butt because like it's just a one hit wonder kind of deal. Yeah. So you kind of have to have, it's nice to have that slow climb and like see where you came from. The closest we came to that was the Wu-Tang Clan posted a picture of one of our paintings on their account but we weren't tagged in it. So oh, man, just got that's the worst. nothing from it. <laughs> the same, ha- same happened with Panic at the Disco like last oh, week. Yeah. Or yeah, last oh. week. Yeah, last week. Yeah, last yeah. week. Uh, yeah, and you just get your followers tagging you in the comments. Yeah. And you're just like, thanks guys. And it just has, it's just a drop in the ocean. Doesn't, no one sees. And it's like, yeah. Even though our names were written right next to it on the wall oh, as well. Damn. But what can you do? Do you ever get recognized in public? I do. Especially in like little cities. And like, you know, in the spots where there's a lot of people and I sometimes forget that I like am a thing cause I, I'm behind the camera a lot, mm-hmm. but more of recent I've been in front of it, you know, just with trying YouTube and having that other account. So I do get some people coming up to me and I'm like, hello. And it's always nice to hear that, you know, they're, you know, in the photography world and like beginners are people who are trying to make it. So it's really nice to hear, you know, their stories and, 
and why they follow me and what they find interesting. What kind of made you transition from being purely behind the camera to being in front of it and like kind of starting your YouTube and getting... Yeah, um, I have... So I shoot photos of a lot of different like creators and also YouTubers. And like I said, I was always someone big into YouTube. Like I would always watch it when I was like editing or working. It was something I've watched for years, like when it first came out, I was yeah. like on it. Probably just people wanting to see more of... You know, they see my photos, but they don't really see me. So I was trying to kind of intertwine how they how they would like to see me, but in something that would still be of interest. So, you know, doing behind the scenes videos where I'm still shooting or challenges. But probably one of my first times in front of the camera was um, with my friend Jessica Kobesi. She did yeah. four photographers shoot the same model, which now she's on like her ninth episode of, um, which is crazy. And they all, they literally all have millions of views. I'm like, okay, like go off. Um, so I was in like, I don't know how many of them, maybe like three or four. But after that, I was like, this is fun. Cause like, you know, they, I was always used to people seeing just the images I take, yeah. but now they were seeing me in action. And I was like, you know, maybe we could start doing more of this and people seem to like it. So were you confident in front of camera when you first started going? Not really. I'm still kind of like, mm. uh, it depends <laughs> on the thing. Like if it's a photo, it's like fine. Because it's funny because I feel like I like know poses and like angles from shooting so much. Yeah. I'm like, I know what looks good, like low key, like, and I know exactly what focal length the lens is and like where I'm standing and where exactly it's shooting me from. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, me, I'm just a better model now. You probably no. know it better than a lot of models say. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I know, I know how I'll look exactly in and I can always, and I get to edit that photo, which is nice too. But so it's more video. I'm a little like, hi, how are you? Yeah. But it's, you know, it's, it's fun. They kind of say you are the average of the five people you spend most time with. Who are your five that you kind of spend the most time with? Are they kind of close friends or have they, have you kind of developed that over the years to kind of have a group of people around you? Yeah. I feel like it's a, it's funny. It's like a mix of, you know, neighborhood friends, like the girl on the cover of my fo- my photo book is my neighbor like she lives next to me I saw her like an hour before this yeah um, and, you, and you've known her for years and yeah years we've and years. we grew up in the same like next to each other so it's been fun to create with her she's like in like most of my photos just because we could just be like want to go up front and like take yeah. this and then be like okay bye like it's it's simple as that but also just like hanging out and not taking photos of something we do more often than not so I'd say it's a mix of you know, old friends and people I've met through Instagram and whatnot. And I've shoot with a lot. So it's nice to have those two little like worlds. Like my, it's like kind of like my Long Island life and like my New York city life. Yeah. It's like kind of separated, but everyone's friendly. So <laughs> how would you go about finding new friends or meeting new people? I would say it's from, I meet a lot of my friends now just from the world of Instagram. If, if it's a photographer, a model, we all have something in common. We're all, we can, it's like, we have like an Instagram talk. It's like weird. We all know the same people (laughs) and like that we may have never even met, but we all have some, that weird thing in common that we, you know, know mutual or have shot with the mutual and there's, it's just easy conversation. Mm. Um, But definitely a lot of it comes from shooting. What's um, the most asked question when people do recognize you and they come up to you? Is it mainly around kit or is it more around sort of mindset and, and how you've done what you've done? Yeah, a lot of people, I think one, and I thought you were going to say on my, like in my comments, because that would be like what camera I use. People don't really 
say, ask me that in real life. (laughs) Um, yeah, I would say more of like how I got to the point of like where I am is what they ask because they're, you know, either trying themselves or just are curious because everyone's so different. Yeah. I feel like it's funny because a lot of people now within, you know, the world of social media may have like, I know a lot of people have dropped out of school just to do this, which is you know, totally fine. Mm-hmm. But I did, I did go to school. I finished, I went through it. So I think it's more like also a relate relatability thing of like knowing that you can go through school and then start your, start your deal. I feel like people maybe sometimes rush into it. And so do you have like a, a stock answer or are you like, go and listen to the podcast this I just prob- did? Yeah, I would <laughs> say this exact answer. <laughs> So tell us about your book, Luminescence. It's been quite successful. Yeah, so I, it it came out two years ago now, almost two years actually. It was like July of 2017. Um, but it's basically over 200 of my photos from the point of where I started to the point of that, you know, 2017 when I was still creating. Um, and it's kind of, you'll see when you look through it, but it's kind of curated to the colors and each page kind of, vibes off the page next to it. And it was, it was always a goal when I was shooting to have a book of my work, just because, you know, you look at it on a screen and you just see it on a screen, but you don't actually get to like, like touch your like images. And yeah, obviously there's finally prints. a product. Yeah. And yeah. it's like something I can hold and be like, I did this. So it's definitely a big goal of mine when I started to have a book and now I had enough photos to create one. <laughs> I think it's also a great thing to go into meetings with and, and give away copies. of. I know. Yeah. yeah. So thought catalog gave me like, I think it was like 150 of them just to have. And yeah. I still have a lot and I'm like, here you go to all my friends and people I meet. So it's nice to give out <laughs> for sure. And how did, did thought catalog, um, did they contact you or? Um, we connected over like a mutual friend from that I had a meeting with and I kind of was like talking about long-term goals and a book was like being thrown around in my, in the little meeting. And then they connected us and just kind of like went from there. It was like super fast because I had all the photos already. I can't even imagine actually writing a book, but I mean, this probably took the same amount of effort. Cause I was like, I, you know, I went through and shot each photo, but when I was curating it, it just like kind of, I went in and just like put them all together. It was like super fast. How was it learning about printing? Because obviously like your photos have been designed to look good on a screen. Yeah. Like was obviously the first printout must have been like really dark or something. Like- yeah. So we, I like flew to Chicago to see it being printed and Thought Catalog really helped with, you know, the production side. So they really got the colors down to how it would actually look on a screen. And I think mm. it's pretty true to what it's, you know, it's shown on screen, but definitely with more of my like nighttime images, it's hard cause you, you know, you see the grain, but on a screen it's so tiny and like you can kind of get away with like that little like grain or like, dust, yeah. you know, and with this, it's like a little more blown up and in your face. So you really have to take into account that. Yeah. Cause I suppose cause you posted borders as well. Your photos are actually really tiny. Yeah. On yeah. They're pretty tiny on a screen and then, you know, you see them in print and you're like, oh, you can see that. <laughs> Has that affected the way you shoot now? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't know. It's a, I'm still so immersed into the world of my phone that like, I sometimes forget that these can be printed. But when I do go back, I do have that, you know, raw file that's giant and yeah. it can play 
as a print well so do you think you'd ever do a second book i am confirmed for a second book yeah yeah so this is going to be still a photo book obviously but um we're going to throw some fun things in there so can, it's gonna, can you give anything away or is it it's going to be more like still you know photos that go together in some sort of way either it's collage form or some kind of layout but i'm going to try and throw in some more like behind the scenes and before and afters. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be not just photos. So, kind of, so you can kind of learn something from it as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do any iPhone shots ever make their way into your feed or is it always? It's pretty rare. I mean, for that second account I keep going back to, I do post iPhone there because it's more a little personal. But yeah, there's really no iPhone. I mean, if you scroll back, I was shooting with just my phone. So, but it's, yeah, it's pretty much my DSLR. And um, where can people find you online? They can find me at Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, at Brandon Wolfel. That's pretty much just, or at Brand.Wolf. That's my second Instagram. Um, but yeah, Brandon Wolfel everywhere. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We're trying to help a lot of people with this show, so we need your help to grow the community and spread our message. If you know someone who'd benefit from hearing what we talked about today, or they just need a little nudge in the right direction, pass this podcast on to them. If you want to hear more, then subscribe to us on iTunes. And if we helped you with anything, we'll really love you forever if you can leave us an iTunes review. It makes a huge difference. See ya. See ya.